stop. This message could save you from investing your precious time into a true crime story that goes nowhere. Avoid that disappointment. You need True Crime Feed Podcast. Unlimited premium true crime curated for you. Find out about a female serial dater turned serial killer. The truth about the D.A.R.E. program. Bizarre black markets, political murder plots, and a school for troubled teens so horrific it could be a Stephen King novel. True Crime Feed sifts the archives from the past decade to select the best cases and gives you a quick overview sprinkled with a teensy bit of humor, plus a weekly top three power ranking for shows currently trending, and lets you know what shows to send down your podcast queue trapdoor. You know you want those thrill chills, so come and get them. Subscribe to True Crime Feed. That's True Crime F-E-E-D wherever you get your podcasts. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Escaping an abusive relationship is a courageous and transformative journey that requires strength, resilience, and a deep commitment to one's well-being. In the intricate dance of emotions, manipulation, and fear that characterizes abusive relationships, breaking free represents a critical step towards reclaiming one's autonomy and rebuilding a life founded on self-love and empowerment. If only it were that easy. Rarely is a person able to leave an abusive relationship without having to endure the constant pursuit from their abuser. Sometimes the victim is able to get away and live their life free of fear. But far too often, the abuse victim endures one last episode of horror with a fatal outcome. In this episode of Still Missing, we look at the forgotten case of a young woman who disappeared while trying to find the freedom that she deserved. This is the case of Felicia Cochran. On the evening of June 11, 1992, at approximately 6 p.m., Felicia Cochran departed her residence in Pell City, Alabama. The 26-year-old informed her mother, Mary, of her plan to drive to Birmingham. Felicia was very transparent about her plans to visit a man she had recently started dating. Mary had heard on the weather forecast that there were going to be thunderstorms later that night. For that reason, she cautioned Felicia about the weather and suggested she stay overnight in Birmingham instead of risking a drive home in the storm. Agreeing with her mother's advice, Felicia assured Mary that she would return home the next day. Having recently mustered the courage to leave her abusive husband, a man by the name of Travis, Felicia still shared custody of their young son. That shared custody prevented Felicia from being able to completely break free from his presence in her life. And Travis would only change his methods of abuse. His persistent stalking and attempts to locate her had led Felicia to borrow different cars from friends and family 
to avoid detection. Despite her efforts, Travis always managed to track her down. Fearing he might follow her to Birmingham, Felicia enlisted the company of her cousin, Juliana, for the trip. Juliana expressed her willingness to accompany Felicia, but was feeling a little apprehensive due to her regular Thursday night commitment to a Bible study. She agreed to forgo the study that evening, but emphasized that if she hadn't heard from Felicia before its scheduled start time, she would assume Felicia was going to be heading out at a later time and would attend her Bible study as planned. But Felicia intended to move forward with her trip as planned. After leaving her mother's home the next morning, Felicia made a brief journey to her mother-in-law's house. Her mother-in-law was babysitting her three children that morning. Felicia told her that she was going to visit a friend's hair salon before finally making her trip to Birmingham. She asked her eldest daughter, 10-year-old Brandy, if she wanted to join her at the salon. Brandy declined, saying that she wanted to stay and continue playing with her cousins. The children watched as Felicia left the house, having no clue that this would be the last time that they ever saw her. Frustratingly, the events that followed remain murky and hard to piece together. We know that Felicia did not return to Pell City that night, and that her absence initially did not raise alarm with her mother. If you remember, her mother advised her to stay overnight in Birmingham to avoid the impending thunderstorms. She'd assumed that Felicia took her advice, but Felicia's mother would soon come to worry. On that Friday morning, she was informed that Felicia never showed up for her shift at work, something that her mother says is unlike her. Mary then reached out to Juliana, since she knew of Felicia's plan to drive her to Birmingham. She asked Juliana if she knew where Felicia was. Juliana told her aunt that Felicia had not come to pick her up the night before, leading her to assume that Felicia had changed her plans about taking her to Birmingham. She attended her Bible study instead. But this phone conversation left her concerned, fearing that Felicia might have embarked on the journey alone and had gotten into an accident of some sort. Juliana left her workplace and combed the interstate for any signs of Felicia or her vehicle. Sadly, her search found no trace of her cousin. Out of desperation, Mary and Juliana contacted Travis and his family to see if they had any information regarding Felicia's whereabouts. Even though all three of Felicia's children spent the night at Travis's parents' house, they insisted they hadn't seen Felicia since the previous day. When Mary attempted to report her daughter's disappearance to the Pell City Police Department, she was informed that a missing person report could only be accepted after 24 hours. Undeterred, family members conducted their own independent search for Felicia until 6 p.m. When they still couldn't find her, Mary went to the police to officially report her missing. When Felicia left her residence on Thursday evening, she was driving her 1987 Nissan Sentra a detail unbeknownst to her family and Pell City Police Department investigators. Surprisingly, the car had already been discovered before her disappearance was officially reported. It was found abandoned and charred on a rural road in Talladega County at around 4 a.m. on Friday morning. Initially, 
Officers from the Talladega Police Department were unaware of the connection between the burned-out car and a missing person, treating it as a potential crime scene, under the assumption it had been stolen. The fire had obliterated any potential evidence of foul play, and a thorough search yielded no clues about what had transpired with the vehicle's owner. Despite the grim discovery of Felicia's torched car, Pell City Police did not initially treat her disappearance with the gravity it warranted. Investigators suggested to her family that she may have taken some time off on her own and would return home when ready. While that explanation may seem plausible to some, it does not at all explain why Felicia would go to the lengths of setting her only means of transportation on fire. For that reason, and many others, Mary was adamant that the police got it wrong. She was convinced that something horrible had happened to her daughter. As a native of Pell City and a 1983 graduate of Pell City High School, Felicia had excelled academically and harbored aspirations of owning her own business. However, her life took a turn when she became pregnant with her first child, Brandy, at the age of 16. Undeterred, Felicia remained committed to pursuing higher education and enrolled at an Alabama university after completing high school. Although she performed well academically, her plans were interrupted when she became pregnant with her second daughter during her sophomore year at college. This would unfortunately take the turn of leading her to discontinue her studies. After college, Felicia expressed her desire to become a flight attendant to her mother. Mary, considering the needs of Felicia's children, advised her to wait until they were a bit older before pursuing a job involving overnight travel. Temporarily putting her dream on hold, Felicia secured a position at a Hardee's fast food restaurant. While her stay at Hardee's was not intended to be long-term, Felicia quickly established herself as a standout employee. She became known for her reliability and amiable personality and she swiftly rose to the role of assistant manager. Colleagues admired her for being a kind and helpful person who always extended a hand to others. While she was employed at Hardy's, Felicia crossed paths with Travis Cochran for the first time. Travis was working for a construction company and frequently went to the restaurant for lunch. An immediate attraction sparked between them and they soon found themselves in a relationship. Frustratingly for Felicia, her mother did not like their relationship at all. Expressing her disapproval, Mary cautioned Felicia against getting involved with the Cochran family. Apparently, they were known for their unfavorable reputation in Pell City. Felicia was undeterred by her mother's concerns and continued to pursue a relationship with Travis. Several months later, Felicia delivered surprising news to her mother, revealing that she and Travis had tied the knot. Mary, devastated by the revelation, felt helpless in the face of Felicia's decision. When Travis learned of Mary's disapproval, he displayed his first concerning act. He approached Felicia, expressed his discomfort with the situation, and requested that Felicia refrain from visiting her mother ever again. And that would only be the beginning. Travis's controlling behavior escalated over time, and Felicia, 
growing wary of the relationship, found herself trapped when she discovered she was pregnant with her third child. Despite any aspirations of quietly leaving, the prospect became complicated. While Felicia was hoping to salvage the marriage for the sake of her son, she would soon realize that Travis had no intention of changing. According to Brandy, Felicia's daughters would sometimes awaken in the night to the sound of their stepfather physically assaulting their mother. Although he never directed his abuse toward the children, they lived in constant fear when they were around him. The situation intensified for Felicia once she summoned the courage to finally break free from Travis. He would worsen his behavior in the form of stalking her. Witnesses from the neighborhood reported seeing Travis hiding in a wooded area across the street from her mother's house, waiting for her to leave so he could follow her. On at least one occasion, he attempted to force her car off the road with all three of her children present, instilling a deep fear that he posed a threat to their lives. Although she attempted to move forward, Felicia found it nearly impossible to get away from Travis. He consistently anticipated her whereabouts, appearing unexpectedly to engage in conversations and pleas to rekindle their relationship. It was later discovered that Travis had secretly placed a recording device on Mary's phone line, enabling him to tape all of Felicia's phone calls. Nearly every night, he would sneak onto her property, break into her house and change the cassette tape in the recorder he'd hidden inside the house. One night, Mary discovered the covert recording device. She was horrified and promptly contacted the Pell City Police. Despite Mary's distress, Felicia pleaded with her mother not to press charges against Travis. Reluctantly, Mary agreed. She later expressed that this decision haunted her, as she felt that Travis likely interpreted it as a sign of invincibility. When Felicia vanished, her family harbored deep suspicions that Travis was involved. Their concerns heightened upon discovering that he was the last person seen with her. Employees at the hair salon, owned by Felicia's friend, reported witnessing an argument between Travis and Felicia in the salon's parking lot on that Thursday evening. Concerned for Felicia's safety, they called the police. But by the time the police arrived, both Travis and Felicia had left together in Felicia's Nissan. Alabama power employees working near Mary's home that Thursday night observed Travis lingering outside the property. Familiar with both Felicia and Travis from their time at Hardy's, they initially didn't find much significance to the sighting. They'd assumed Travis was waiting to pick up his son. It was only after learning of Felicia's disappearance that they realized the potential gravity of what they had witnessed. It appears likely that Travis trailed Felicia from her mother's residence to the beauty salon, where a confrontation ensued in the parking lot. The events following their departure from the salon remain unclear. When law enforcement arrived, Travis's car was found in the parking lot. Salon employees later asserted that they had observed duct tape and rope in the back seat of his car, although police never confirmed this. By the time Felicia was reported missing, Travis had already retrieved his car. After Mary had filed a missing persons report for Felicia, detectives interrogated Travis. 
They later claimed they were close to eliciting a confession from him when Travis's father, accompanied by a lawyer, arrived at the police station. They abruptly halted all questioning, and Travis refused any further cooperation with investigators. Members of Felicia's family underwent multiple interviews, providing investigators with all the information they knew about her tumultuous relationship with Travis. Juliana expressed dissatisfaction, feeling that the detectives did not adequately follow up on the information provided, and instead started treating the family as potential suspects. Brandy would later recall getting off of the school bus in the afternoon and observing police cars stationed across the street. They were seemingly monitoring Mary's house. The situation created the impression that the authorities suspected that the family was pulling off a potential missing person hoax. Months turned into years with no communication from Felicia. Her family remained convinced that Travis and his family possessed more information than they were letting on. However, detectives maintained that there was no evidence pointing to any sort of crime. Mary was granted custody of Felicia's two daughters, yet Travis retained custody of their son, denying Mary any contact with the child. Growing up, Felicia's son was left to believe that his mother had abandoned him for a new life. Felicia's two daughters only had occasional meetings with their half-brother, Quadarius, throughout the year. Brandy, grappling with the situation, retained positive memories of her step-grandmother, who was Travis's mother. She recalled that the woman treated her and her sister no differently than her other grandchildren. However, as Brandy got older, she struggled with the thought that her step-grandmother most likely possessed information about Felicia's fate but chose not to disclose it out of loyalty to her son. As Quadarius reached adulthood, he began questioning the narratives from his childhood. Upon obtaining his driver's license, he spent more time with his mother's side of the family, realizing their account of Felicia's disappearance significantly differed from what he had been told by his father. Quadarius eventually became a police officer, harboring hope that he could one day bring justice for his mother. Brandy also aspires to uncover the truth about her mother's fate from that summer night 30 years ago. Above all, she and Mary yearn to locate Felicia so that her family can provide her with a proper burial. Unfortunately, recent efforts by detectives to solve Felicia's case seem lacking. Despite being declared legally dead in 1997, her case still remains classified as a missing person investigation. The police maintain that there is no evidence that points to her being a victim of foul play. This puts them at odds with her family, who are all certain that Travis had something to do with her disappearance. To this day, Felicia Cochran is still missing. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.